You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. And exciting news, very exciting. Um, it's now easier than ever to find the show, to find my donation page, um, to be able to sign up with any podcast uh, platform that you use. And that's our new address at Let's. My show has its own address. See how far we've come. At, there it is right on the bottom of your screen, letstalktorah.net. You go on to letstalktorah.net, and everything is there. The audio, the video, the donation page. Uh, you want to send in your questions or comments. It's just the perfect place to go. Makes life way easier. And uh, we're going to be promoting that, of course, and that'll be just really quite fantastic. Um, just back. Been a very, very busy week. Um, I flew in to... Uh, New York, I had a niece's wedding. And I went, actually, my wife was one going. And then like six weeks ago, I say, oh, maybe I should go. And then all of a sudden, my wife decides, eh, maybe we should take my daughter. And then my son says, hey, what about me? So actually, four of us flew in. And I did not know this. Did you know that, I mean, I guess we should have thought about it that the, the airplanes have um, brake pads on their wheels? I did not know. I'll tell you why I do know. Because we sat in the plane for 45 minutes while they were putting on new brake pads. Um, why they didn't discover this earlier, I have no idea. But it would seem to be a pretty important thing, and we are happy that they replaced those brake pads. But it was really a beautiful wedding. It was good to see the family. It was good to see the kids. It was just it was just nice. We drove. We w- flew into LaGuardia. The wedding was in Brooklyn, uh, valet parking, so I didn't have to make myself crazy where to park. In um, after the wedding, drove back to my sister who lives about ten minutes from the airport. Uh, next morning, got up five o'clock, returned the rental car. They've changed the rules again for those who fly into LaGuardia. There was a time where. It was to get from the terminal to the rental car place was just crazy. It was like you had to take two city buses um, till you figured out that if you're in Terminal B, it's like a seven-minute walk, while the bus ride could take you 20 minutes. It was crazy. But now the shuttles are allowed to drive, and we show up at, uh, I don't know, 525, 530, and the shuttle is there, and I said, isn't it faster to walk? No, no, you come with me. It'll be faster than, than walking because it'll take you eight minutes to walk, only five minutes to drive. I said, no problem. Get to the airport. I mean, it was really very in and out, very beautiful. Of course, I was exhausted. And so we laid a few uh, good nights sleep to recuperate. But it was really, it's just so nice when you get together with family and everyone's dancing and my father-in-law was so appreciative and all the 
children and grandchildren and great children are hanging out with him. He loved it. It was really, really very, very beautiful, very well spent time. And we are very happy we were able to go. And especially for my wife, when like when she comes back, she was we we should go, we shouldn't go. Like every time going in is a big decision because it costs, it's expensive, you gotta fly. Um, so she has to get a sub for what she does and I have to work out in school to get a sub for what I do, even if we leave in the afternoon and come back early in the morning. But there's still an hour or two that you need people to take care of things. Uh, but it really worked out great and it was worth every penny we spent and we're glad we went and we just had a great time. It's beautiful. And of course, before I go on, I just want to remind everybody, um, I know you guys love the show and you know I need your help and I ask for your help and we, we got to take care of the costs of the uh, of our broadcast uh, uh, facilities here and the platform and, and all the stuff we do. We got to spread the show and I need your help. But now you can just go to letstalktorah.net, letstalktorah.net, and right there is all the information, the donor page, whatever level works for you. You want to be anonymous, you want me to give you a shout out, you want me to tell you happy birthday or in memory of or whatever you want, just fill it in and hopefully it won't take us more than, you know, the 12 seconds to read it, but whatever you want, we'll try to put in there and again in advance, of course, I thank you. Okay, so we are in the Torah portion about sacrifices. So what's a sacrifice? What, what is going on? What are we, barbarians? Like, we don't do that nowadays. Slaughter animals. So before we get into all that, right? First of all, it's not barbaric. Okay, that's first. But we gotta, we gotta think for a second. God does not need my sacrifice. He's not eating the animal, God is all spiritual, he has no need for food, he doesn't need something getting burnt to charcoal and ashes, he has no use for it, so what, what, what is this sacrifice idea? So first you have to look at the word, I don't know about the word sacrifice, but the Hebrew word for a sacrifice is karbon, comes from the root word karav, Karav means to come close or to bring close. The concept of a sacrifice is to bring me closer to God. How does the sacrifice bring me, or this carbon bring me closer to God? So the Ramban explains, the Ahmadi explains, when I bring a sacrifice, when I am bringing a carbon, right, when I'm bringing the sacrifice, so I'm supposed to look at it as I'm not a perfect fellow. I've sinned. I've done things wrong. I got got angry at me. Yes, of course, I know we all think we do good things. We're all very good. We're all excellent people, and we all have a good heart, and we're all trying so hard. It's true. It's true. But, you know, it wouldn't be a good excuse. Like, if you're, if you, we're not used to kings so much, right? But if you're in the presence of a king or a queen, and, and you do something by mistake, they're going to kill you first and they'll accept the apologies later. It wasn't a game, right? So God takes care of everything I need. And all he's asking is that I listen to him, become closer to him, serve him, not be such a selfish person only out for myself. That's pretty much all he wants, right? And now I do something wrong. So I, I need to recognize how... How much I've, how wrong I am. So you want to know how wrong you are? Look at this animal. You see this animal got slaughtered? 
should have been you being slaughtered. You see this animal that we're taking the blood and we're throwing it on the altar? It should have been your blood thrown on the altar. You see this animal, we're taking the innards or the whole thing and we're burning it? It should have been you getting burnt. And God says, but I'm not doing it to you. I'm letting you live. So if my, if my understanding, if my attitude, if, my, if I can conceptualize, if I can imagine that, that I've done something wrong, I have not been as good as I need to be, if, when I can do that, that will bring me closer to God, and that is the purpose of a sacrifice. And that's what God wants. He wants me, the individual, to become closer to Him. That's what God is asking me for, and that is the opportunity that I have with sacrifices. For those of you that it makes you nervous, the Maimonides does say that the sacrifices were for those days, and that's how people understood you served a God. But when the Messiah comes, there is a Maimonides that says, you know, we'll just pray like we pray in our synagogues. But many do disagree. Many say, no, I need to understand there's a lot of holy spiritual things that get involved with a sacrifice. Okay, the truth is, we don't know. When the Messiah comes, we'll find out. I'm not going to get bent out of shape that, oh, uh, the idea of sacrifices is ancient and barbaric when people were backwards and who knows what. Um, wh- why? Like, why go there? Who cares? You want to you wanna say, like, Maimonides, times have changed, go right ahead. You want to say things will be the same way? It doesn't bother me. We'll go find out. And it will be clear to you. And it won't bother you. Because... You'll understand. Your eyes will be opened. Okay. Um, but that's what's going on. <laughs> By the way, um, you should also know our whole concept of prayers comes from the daily sacrifices. There was a the first sacrifice of the day was an Ola was completely burnt. Um, that's we we learn a lot of rules from there for our morning prayers. Then there was the afternoon sacrifice, that's our afternoon prayers, and then the burning of the pieces and the fats that was done at night, that's our evening prayer. So just in case it bothers you, right, there's other stuff we're learning over there. Now also, we need to understand that depending on on, on either what you did wrong or what you need, or what you're asking for, would depend on the sacrifice. You don't get to decide what kind of sacrifice you think you should be bringing. Right? In other words, if a person does a, a major crime by mistake, not on purpose, by mistake, he can repent by bringing this very expensive sacrifice. See, most of us are under the impression that when I do something by mistake, so I'm supposed to apologize, and when I apologize, so now you're supposed to forgive me. I remember we had one of my teachers. Um, he was very funny. Um, he he gave an example of imagine. Now this is talking about in Israel. You get on the bus and and the buses were crowded, and you're you know sometimes you're pushing your way through the aisle, and you you tell people excuse me. Now everybody understands if I say excuse me, I'm saying I'm sorry that I bumped into you, and I apologize. What if a guy says, now, in Hebrew, they don't say the word excuse me. In, in Israel, they say slicha. 
which literally means forgive me. So now imagine for a second. You're on the bus, you're trying to squeeze down, so you're pushing people out of the way. <laughs> for the rest of you, just imagine you're on a subway, you're pushing people, you're, you're at a concert pushing people, you're at a ball game, you're stuck in line, and people are trying to squeeze around. Imagine for a second that you say, excuse me, or in Israel you say, slicha, forgive me, and the guy looks at you and says, no. What, what do you mean, no? What no? What no? Yeah, you, you asked me if I forgive you because you pushed me. I don't forgive you. What, are you crazy? I mean, you don't forgive me. I, I don't have to ask you for your forgiveness. I'm just being polite when I'm, when I'm knocking you over as so I'm walking down the street. You don't like that I said, that I was polite and I said, forgive me? Great. And now I'm going to push you, and I'm not going to ask you forgiveness. And then we're going to have a big fight, and we're going to be arrested for causing a public disturbance. And a lot of us are so, uh, the Hebrew would be malumid, we're accustomed to the fact that if I bump into you, I say, I'm sorry, it wasn't my fault, and we move on. And I'm busy teaching my students in class that when we're not careful and we hurt somebody, we throw a ball, we weren't looking, and we hit somebody, when you're not being careful and you say, I'm sorry, that doesn't always take care of the situation, right? It doesn't always help. The idea of doing something by mistake, that you must forgive me when I say I'm sorry it was an accident, um, when we look at sacrifices, it puts it in a whole new mindset. What do I mean by that? So a person wasn't being careful, and he sinned by mistake. If I would have been more careful, if I would have been thinking, if I would have studied a little harder and known the rules... Um, the accident wouldn't have happened. That accident is really a very poor word. It's like when you're driving, right? You get into an accident. Uh, many times when people get into accidents, oh, I didn't see the person. I didn't see the car coming. What do you mean you didn't see the car coming? I didn't notice the light turned red. What are you talking about? Forget about if you were looking at your phone. That would be terrible, right? You're not looking at your phone. You're not texting. You're not, we, we, you're not supposed to be doing that stuff when you're driving. It's dangerous. People get hurt, right? A car gets damaged, costs somebody a lot of money for that. Right? I know we all have insurance, I hope. Right? But forgetting about that. Right? Just imagine most accidents are taking place, most. Not all, I know, we all tell everybody, our spouse, oh, it was an accident, black ice. Everything is black ice. The road was slick with water. You know, my daughter drove in the rain today. She drove carefully. Car wasn't spinning out, the car wasn't flying, the wheels weren't hydroplaning, she went around the puddle she was supposed to go around, she did very good. Right? But when accidents happen, ice, snow, rain, merging lanes, um, cutting somebody off, not realizing the traffic was slowing down in front of you, we call that an accident. It's not really an accident. Maybe you, you, weren't, you, weren't, uh, you weren't malicious. Maybe you didn't do it on purpose, but it was an accident. Accident's really the wrong word. Really, I wasn't being as careful as I should have been. And we think if we say we're sorry, that's good enough. But now we got to refocus. So I'm trying to tell God, God, if I would have been more careful, I wouldn't have sinned. I just wasn't really being so careful. If I would have looked at the menu a little more, I would have realized that food is not kosher. 
If I would have studied a little bit, I would have understood that I can't uh, eat that or I can't go to that place or I can't um, do what was happening. Right? If I would have asked somebody, what are the ingredients? Right? If I would have been more careful. So I'm trying to tell God, you should forgive me because I wasn't as careful as I should have been. So God says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it not slide. Slide is the wrong word. I will allow you to ask me for forgiveness because you weren't as careful as you should have been and you need to buy a $500 cow. You need to buy a $130 sheep. Maybe you need to buy a $1,000 cow or a $300 goat. I don't know the cost of animals so much. One second, God. $500? I, I, I just wasn't being so careful. Um, to my friend, I just say, I'm sorry, and he's supposed to forgive me. Why can't I say to you, I'm sorry? And the answer is because you need to know who you're talking to. You need to understand that you went ahead and it wasn't an accident. You weren't careful. You didn't act the way you were supposed to act. So now you have to find time in your busy schedule, go to Jerusalem, buy a cow or buy a sheep or buy a goat, and bring a sacrifice. It's going to cost you many, many hundreds of dollars. This whole process could be a thousand or two thousand dollar process. So now let's imagine how much more careful are you going to be next time when you know that if you're not careful, it's costing you a couple thousand dollars to something that maybe people relate to a little bit better. Do you have any idea what it costs if the police arrest a person? for drunk driving. When a person is arrested for drunk driving, so we're talking lawyers, and lawyers ain't cheap, and I think a lawyer told me when somebody gets pulled over for drunk driving and he's, and he's above the limit, you're talking five dollars $7,000 without blinking. That's automatic off the top. That's in the best-case scenario that there's fees and fines and license suspensions and all kinds of stuff, you'll probably be more careful. I don't want to say more careful being caught. I mean, it might be worthwhile to learn not to make the mistake of driving under the influence um, when it's costing you thousands of dollars. So God understands we have sacrifices. You want to become closer to me. You want to say you made a mistake. Oh, yeah? Do you believe you made a mistake? It's costing you a couple thousand dollars now. Now do you understand you made a mistake? Because when it costs you, you really believe it. And when you really believe it, you can really say, I apologize. When, a, when an apology costs, it has value. When it has value, you mean it. And when you mean it, you're going to feel bad. And then you can repent. Sacrifices, for the most part, there are a couple exceptions. For the most part, sacrifices are not being brought... Um, because I did something on purpose. When you do something on purpose, whoa, that is a whole new level, and sacrifice not helping you anymore. If there's witnesses, there could be there could be lashes, there could be there's death penalties out there and stuff. But we're talking sacrifices um, for for your negligence. You are not being as careful as you should have been. Um, but there's also sacrifices. You just want to make a donation. You just want to say, God, I love you. I want to bring a sacrifice. 
God, I love you. I want to bring a peace offering. And the Kohanim can get, my family can get. We're going to eat this meat. It's imbued with uh, and infused with spirituality. I want to become a better person. You want to become a better person? Yeah. You can become closer to God, hang out in the temple, bring sacrifices. That also is a whole nother category of sacrifices. Um, a boy in class says to me today, I said, we don't have sacrifices today. What do you do? So you could study about sacrifices. You could study Torah. You could pray. You could repent. And a boy says you can give charity, which was interesting that it's true. It's not on the list. But yes, one of the things you can do um, when, when you do something wrong, part of, of, of correcting things that were done wrong is to give charity. Definitely a good idea. So I saw this amazing story about charity. So there's a person, his name is, is Shimon Moses. So he runs a, um, a, um, a gemach, a free loan organization in Israel. There's, uh, there's in America, but in Israel, they're all over the place. And he's, he's not alive anymore. Um, he's based out of Harnof. And he's a person who always wants to help. And, and these gemachs have rules and regulations. And I was there dealing with poor people. And generally, the, the, the level, the top, uh, the loan is about $10,000 with monthly payments. You want to take five years to pay it back. Right? Five years to pay back a $10,000 loan is a little under, um, well, again, if the, if we're talking about a sixty month loan, so somewhere in the one hundred and fifty dollar range, one hundred and sixty dollars a month, pretty much will get you to ten thousand dollars. You'll pay back monthly. There was a person there. Um, his name was uh, Mr. Bro- Mr. Brown, and he needed more, so he actually took a fifteen thousand dollar loan and he made monthly payments. Um, but one day, this Shimon Moses sees that. Uh, that he's a little agitated, this Mr. Brown. So he says, Mr. Brown, like, you, you seem to be under some stress. Do you need help? So he says, yeah, I really do need help. I really need another loan. I know I'm paying you monthly, but I, it would really, really be amazingly helpful if I could ask you, even though I didn't finish paying the first loan yet, but if I could actually have another $15,000 loan. So the Supreme Moses says, you know, I want to help you. I'm going to help you. No problem. Just go back to get me some cosigners. You bring me back some cosigners, I'll take care of it. When he left, it seems that Shem Moses' wife was very involved in this free loan organization as well, and she told her husband, we don't have $15,000 in the bank account. As a matter of fact, the bank account is pretty much at zero right now, which is fine. We just lend money. We don't owe anybody money. But where exactly do you plan on getting the money? So he says, you know, that's a very good question. And it wasn't my idea to give him the money. God threw into my head that I should help the guy out. I'm just helping God. God knows I need to help him. God's going to have to send me $15,000. I have no idea where it's coming from. Anyways, um, the next morning, he gets a phone call. We'll call the person that's calling uh, Mr. Ruvain. Mr. Ruvain was one of the people that started the free loan uh, this gemach. Now you have to understand the way gemach works is you know you get ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars into the account. You lend it out. People have to pay monthly, and as the money comes in monthly, you keep re giving out loans. And some of these 
these free loan societies, these gemachs could have hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans they've given out. And as the money comes in, they continually give out new loans. Anyways, Mr. Ruvain calls him and says, I'm at the Plaza Hotel. I can't come. Please stop by. You know, I want to hear about how the gemach is doing. And, and of course, uh, uh, this uh, Shimon Moses says, of course, of course. He stops by. How is everything? He says, yeah, I want to give you a little more money. Here's $1,500. And uh, good luck. Well, okay. God, thank you very much. I am one-tenth of the way to taking care of, of Mr. Brown. Anyways, I... Okay, the the music is playing. Suffice it to say, four more people met him in the next two days, and he ended up with a $15,000, and it would have been a better story if I could elaborate, but, you know, so goes life. Anyways, the music's playing. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We keep it short and sweet. Thank you to our sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you guys. And, of course, thank you to David, my production team in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house.